Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. Our goal here on the podcast is to help you follow Jesus in your everyday life by teaching the Bible in the language of everyday life. I call it Blue Jeans Theology. So I am glad you're joining me on this episode. If this is your first time with us, welcome. My name is John Whitaker. And my heart is to really help people be rooted in the Word of God so that they can follow Jesus wherever they live and in whatever circumstances they find themselves. And this podcast is part of an overall online ministry that really lands under the the title of this podcast, Bible and Life, but it includes this podcast. It includes uh, an entire commentary on the New Testament in audio fashion called the Listener's Commentary. If you haven't I hunted that down on your podcast player. You can check that out, the listener's commentary. Just search for that. You'll find that as well. I've got about nine New Testament books there. I've got some other online resources on my website that I provide. And this ministry is largely made possible by the generous support of listeners just like you. And for that, I am incredibly grateful and incredibly humbled. And when I look at the numbers of uh, donors and what people give. Um, we've got a very small donor base, but they're a very loyal donor base. And when I look at the numbers, it's just amazing to me to see how God has provided for us. Because on paper, the numbers don't all add up. We're only bringing in about 60 to 65% of what we need for bare minimum monthly need to support this ministry as well as to support our life. And And yet here we are two and a half, three years into this ministry, and somehow all bills are paid and we're not in debt, and God has been faithful in taking care of us through you all, through your generosity and your support and your prayers. So thank you so much for that. And when I look at people all over the world in countries that uh, are not known for their Christian presence. And when I hear even from missionaries or others who are using these resources, I am incredibly grateful to God and to you for your support. And this year, I have been praying and asking God in his goodness and his faithfulness to double the number of donors to this ministry and perhaps you're somebody who has been blessed in some way by this ministry, would you prayerfully consider being part of the team and saying, yeah, I, I want to support this ministry and becoming a, a ministry partner and a donor to this ministry. There's a link in the notes below where you can you can set up a monthly donation, recurring monthly donation, and just begin to support this this work and this ministry. So if, if a God has laid it on your heart to support this ministry, um, man, I invite you to do that, and I'm, I'm praying for more and more people to do that so that uh, this ministry can continue to expand and increase. We can meet more and more needs. We can minister to more and more people. So thank you to each and every one of you who already do that, and for your generous support. It means the world to me, and it's making an impact around the world. All right, we have been in a series that um, we're calling Questions of Doubt. Just wrestling with what that title says, like some of the things that, man, the, the big questions that we we just ah, are not so sure what, what to do with them. And sometimes they even eat at our soul and they can chip away at our faith. And, and so I just want to speak a little bit into that and hopefully give some words that are helpful and encouraging and, and some things to think about and chew on as you... Face your doubts honestly and fully, because as I've said before, if Christianity is true, 
it can stand the fires of investigation. And if it's false, wouldn't we want to know it? And so we're, we're just exploring some of those together. And uh, last uh, week on the podcast, we looked specifically at the question of just, is God real? Does God really exist? And I gave some of the main reasons why I think it's reasonable to say yes to that, that nothing has been discovered in modern times, that even though sometimes we act like it has, nothing has been discovered that would call God's existence into to question, make it unreasonable to believe in that. And in fact, plenty of things have been discovered that increase the reasonableness of believing in the existence of God. In this episode, I want to really explore a follow-up question to that, and it's the question that, that revolves around all the pain and suffering we see in the world. As one listener put it in their question to me when they messaged me about what they would love for me to cover on this series, uh, the question reads like this, if God is real and is who the Bible says he is, then why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? If God is real and is who the Bible says he is, that is all-powerful and all-loving, then why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? And oftentimes this question arises when we're experiencing some sort of personal pain and suffering ourselves, and it feels like we should curse the world as stupid rather than trust God and who the Bible says God is. Now, this can be especially painful if we're a praying person and we've prayed and prayed and the pain and suffering still persist. And, and we begin to wonder if there really is a God and if he really does care, then why did he ever let this happen to me? And why isn't he answering my prayers? Uh, this question has also gained some force as the global human community has shrunk and gotten smaller. And now we know what's happening all around the world all the time. And since the news feeds off of the negative, we're constantly made aware of the pain and suffering, not only that we experience, but the pain and suffering that's happening all around the world. And the enormity of that at times just seems overwhelming. So how could God, especially as the supposed loving God and powerful God of the Bible, really exist? That's the question. And this is often a deep, raw reaction to our own suffering or the world's suffering, but the logic of that reaction goes something like this. If we were going to state this, this is often not the way it feels at the moment, but if we're going to state it sort of in a logical argument, this is the way the logic of that reaction works. It's something like this. If the Bible is true, then God is loving and all-powerful and cares for the world and its people. And if God is loving and all-powerful and cares for people, then he'll make sure they don't suffer. But look at all the suffering in the world. So clearly, the Bible's false, and the God of the Bible doesn't exist. And this is a pastoral problem, as well as a philosophical problem. Because often there's like real hurt and real pain that goes along with it. And that's what makes it this pastoral problem, as well as just a philosophical problem. And I, I've seen Christians be insensitive about this. Like, people expressing their heartache and their pain, and then in you know, a Bible study or a gathering of Christians, and then somebody uh, you know, quoting Romans 8.28 and saying, well, you know, God works all things together for good to those who love him, and so God's going to bring good out of this, as if that's the appropriate response in the midst of their heartache and their pain. And, uh, besides that, besides the fact that that's very insensitive, that doesn't even really solve all the logical issues anyhow. So when someone's in the midst of deep pain, what they need 
is your presence far more than your answers, right? We know that. We know that if we've ever experienced it. Um, but at some point, people may need answers to the logical problem that uh, I just described above. So what I want to do in the next handful of minutes is I, I just want to at least think about some of the things involved in providing an answer to that logical problem, all right? Does, does pain and suffering negate God's existence? And to answer this, we need to think about why there is suffering and pain. Every religion or every philosophy or every worldview that's worth its salt has wrestled with why is there pain and suffering and has some explanation for it in the world. You'll find Eastern religions that contend pain and suffering is purely an illusion. Um, or uh, others saying it's karma and you just have to work off you know, your own mistakes through pain and suffering. So the Bible has its own approach to this. This is the way uh, worldviews work. They're going to wrestle with the, the ever-present reality of pain and suffering in the world. The Bible has something very different to say about it. And so according to the Bible, why is there pain and suffering? And does the logical argument stated earlier really hold water? Um, and as we wrestle with that, I just want to, before we even get into the details, point out what I think is an important distinction. And that is, we need to keep clear in our mind the difference between origin and benefit. What's the origin of suffering and pain? And even evil, like where did it come from and who's responsible for it? That's the origin. Where did it come from and who's responsible for it? And then benefit or value. Can it be useful? When we say things like, well, God's going to bring good out of this, we're talking about benefit or value. That There could be some use to this, right? When we say, well, suffering helps forms character, we're talking about benefit. And that doesn't deal with why it's here in the first place. It's just helping us see that there can be some use for it, some value for it. And so origin and benefit or value are two separate questions, really, about the nature of pain and suffering and even the question of evil itself. And the logic of the argument, as I described it up above, is uh, really about benefit or value. Is it true that... If the Bible is true, then God is loving and all-powerful and cares for the world. Is that true? That God, according to the Bible, is loving and powerful and cares for the world and its people? Yes, according to the Bible, that's true. The Bible affirms that and actually contends that God is perfectly capable of caring for this world. That he is sufficient and he's good at it. And part of God's business is taking care of this world. The Bible contends for that. It's part of the biblical worldview. So yes, that statement in the logical argument that I stated earlier, that's true. But what about the second part of that argument? The second part said, well, if God is loving and all-powerful and cares for people, then he'll see to it that we don't suffer. Is that true? Well, not really. Not really. And the reason that's not really true is this. It assumes that pain and suffering is always bad. But we know it's not. Like, we don't like it, but we know it's not always bad. Like, there's value or there's benefit to it. Uh, pain warns us. It instructs us. Pain and suffering even forms us and shapes us. Uh, that's why we have sayings like, 
no no pain, no gain. Um, that's why when we're trying to teach our kids certain things, we recognize the value of the struggle and the value of the ups and downs and the values of some of the pain in the struggle, right? Like we recognize that there's value to pain and suffering. Dallas Willard, in one of his books, Dallas Willard was a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California, but also a devout Christian. Dallas Willard, in contending that pain actually serves a good purpose, he writes this in one of his books. He says, it's only in the heat of pain and suffering, both mental and physical, that real human character is forged. One doesn't develop courage without facing danger, or patience without trials, or wisdom without heart and brain-racking puzzles. He doesn't develop uh, endurance without suffering, or temperance and honesty without temptations. These are the very things that we treasure about people. And yet, without pain, we would not be formed in those things. And so, pain actually serves some benefit. It serves a good in human experience. And so the fact that we don't like pain and the fact that we don't like suffering doesn't mean there's no value in it. And it doesn't mean that God has to keep us from all pain and suffering. And so the second part of that logical uh, reaction isn't valid. Uh, pain actually has value and God is not obligated or it's not even the most loving thing to keep us from all pain. Um, sometimes pain is even necessary to solve a problem. I remember when my son was uh, small, he was like six or seven years old, and he kept limping and kept limping on his foot. And we couldn't see any wound. We couldn't see anything. We weren't sure what the problem was. We were trying to, you know, didn't know if there was some issue. We took him to the doctor. The doctor didn't see anything. Um, but it just wasn't getting better. And so after several weeks um, and, and another doctor's visit, they just had to do an x-ray. As soon as they did the x-ray, the doctor's response to the x-ray literally was this. Oh, wow. Uh, and my wife was like, what? What? Um, doctor shows my wife the x-ray and there is something sticking uh, straight up into the heel of my son's foot. Um, and now he's going to have to have surgery. So the pain that was causing him to limp was an indication of a problem and surgery was going to be required to alleviate the pain, which would mean even a little bit more pain in order to solve the problem. That's often the way it works. Or on another occasion, he got a sliver in his foot, a deep sliver from a thorn when he was walking around barefoot, and we couldn't get it out. And so we had to go to the doctor's office on a Saturday to get this sliver out of his foot. And the nurse literally had to dig into his foot to get this thorn out of his foot. And I, as a dad, had to lay on my son, holding him down while he was uh, writhing in pain and looking at me with big, hurt eyes, staring into my eyes like, Dad, why are you letting this happen to me? While she dug into his foot and got this thorn out of his foot. But the pain was necessary to solve a problem. We know that that sometimes the most loving thing to do involves some pain. And so the fact that God is loving and powerful doesn't mean he's going to keep us from all pain. What if, what if God in his love for us has higher hopes for us than we can imagine and allowing us to experience some pain and suffering is necessary for us to achieve those high dreams and high hopes he has for us?
But but then the objection is, the pushback is, well, why is there then so much pain in the world? Like, like it's too much. Why is there so much of it? And the question in response to that is, well, how much is too much? How do we quantify that? How do we measure that? By what criteria do we determine if there's too much pain in the world? Like, not only that, what if the amount of suffering that we see all around the world, what if the amount of suffering in the world is only, say, 10% of the possible suffering that could have actually happened in the world, but God, in his loving wisdom and power, prevented 90% of the potential suffering, and all we're experiencing is really only 10% of what would have happened had God not intervened. I mean, we don't know, do we? We don't have that perspective. So we look at the pain and suffering in the world, and if we push back and say, well, why is there so much? Well, maybe again, God in his love and his power and his wisdom knows that this is just the right amount. Maybe he's actually prevented a whole host of the suffering that would have happened, but we haven't been told that. We just don't know. And so when, we, when it comes to pain and suffering, there's value, there's benefit, and God in his loving wisdom is uh, doing what's best for us. But what about that other component, the origin component? So that dealt with benefit and value, and really more often than not, particularly when it comes to pain and suffering, that's where our gut-level reaction comes from, and we're really dealing with it. But what about the origin? Like, where is... Uh, why why is it here in the first place? Why why is there pain? Why is there suffering? Or maybe better even, what about all the evil? Did God create all of that? Because that sure doesn't seem very loving. This is the question of origin. Like, why is it here in the first place? And according to the Bible, since that's the God we're talking about, really when we're talking about pain, suffering, and evil, we're talking about the God of the Bible. So, According to the Bible, God actually made a world without evil. Probably still some pain, like fire was still going to burn you if you grab something hot or you put your hand in fire, right? There's still going to be some pain because that's necessary for us uh, as a warning and protection. But what about evil? Uh, and so the Bible says God created a world without evil. So why so much evil in the world? Where did evil come from? And the Bible says it didn't come from God. It came from God's free will creatures. In fact, the focus in the biblical record is on us, on us as human beings. Where did evil come from? Well, God's free will creatures, primarily human beings. We unleashed evil and then the consequent uh, suffering that goes along with or comes from evil into this world. And we continue to do so. Greed, uh, violence, hatred, warfaring, neglect. Think of neglect of children, right? Like poverty, uh, self-serving that we are even blind to. It's so many big and subtle ways we continue to unleash suffering in this world by perpetuating evil in this world. Indeed, look around at the world. We bring, just read the news, we bring the vast majority of pain and suffering upon ourselves through the evil that we humans do to one another or we do in this world. Even through systems of evil that have embedded themselves into the world that now we, we're not even sure how to unravel all of that. So why do we think we should blame God for that? Like To restate it, 
The Bible contends that God made a good world that uh, was free of evil, and we chose to break faith with our wise, loving, powerful creator, and in breaking faith with him, we unleashed evil and suffering onto the world. And so the Bible says it wasn't God's fault. It was our fault. Um, but God, catch this, as we continue to read the Bible, but God is so loving, according to the Bible, and so powerful, according to the Bible, that he still chose to take it upon himself to clean up the mess of evil and consequent suffering that we created, that we made. According to the Bible, God wrote himself into the drama of human pain and human heartache and human evil and suffering. He wrote himself into the story, and he didn't give himself the part of a powerful, high and mighty king living in some ivory palace on a hill above the real pain and heartache and muck and mire and misery of the average existence, where he could enjoy all the pleasures and comforts of this world and avoid the vast majority of its pain and suffering. No, when God wrote himself into the story of this world, the Bible says he scripted him for himself the part of a lowly peasant among an oppressed people who were under foreign occupation. Um, he wrote for himself the part uh, as the son of a carpenter among those people, complete with hammers and thumbs, with sweat and calluses. His part involved real choices, hard ones, between right and wrong, justice and injustice, in the midst of a world that where things weren't always easy and clear, and where uh, poverty was, was a real reality. Born to poor peasants, according to the part he wrote for himself. He wrote the thrill, or he felt the thrill of popularity and the ache of loneliness and rejection. He even experienced the rush of a king's welcome and the despair of betrayal and abandonment. Like from his closest friends, he experienced uh, rejection, abandonment, and even betrayal. He knew the sting of mockery and ridicule and taunting, and he underwent the agony of a whipping and a beating that he didn't deserve, illegal, unjust, without a fair trial. Um, he actually experienced all of that. And at last, uh, as the author of his own story, he wrote into the drama for himself an unjust illegal execution based on trumped-up charges for a crime he never committed, a cruel and barbarous execution for himself. No drifting off to sleep by lethal injection for God's part. No, he scripted for himself the tortures of a Roman cross. I don't think we can accuse God of ignoring the problem of suffering and pain and the problem of evil at its deepest level. It's a lived problem more than an intellectual problem. And guess what? According to the Bible, God lived it. God lived it. God's not a distant and disinterested observer of our pain and suffering or uh, the evil in this world. And the greatest truth of all of this is that in living it, according to the Bible, he has conquered it. Um, and so, so when we're tempted to doubt God's goodness in the midst of our pain, what I would say is look at the cross. 
and see God in the person of Jesus hanging there and view his goodness and view his love and view his wisdom and then look forward to the resurrection and witness his power to conquer suffering and death and evil itself. And then and then, even though you don't understand the mystery of evil in this world, and even though you can't explain it all, and even though the pain is still real and still exists for you, then, after looking at, at God on the cross and God in the resurrection, then move forward and trust him and say, God, I don't get it. I don't always understand it. I know there's a mystery to it, but you've lived it, God, and you've conquered it. And so I'm going to trust you in the midst of it. Well, I hope that gets you at least started thinking about a full-on biblical perspective of evil and pain and suffering. One of my favorite books on that subject, if you want to, you want to check out more, is C.S. Lewis's book, The Problem of Pain. Uh, I'll put a link to that down in the notes below so you can uh, find it pretty easily. It's a simple and yet profoundly insightful read on this very topic, dealing with even more than we've dealt with here in the last 25 minutes. So Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis might be a helpful read for you if you want to know more. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. May you experience the goodness and grace of God through all the ups and downs of life. May you put your hand firmly in his hand, walk closely with him, because he knows what it's like, because he's been here and he's lived it. And so walk closely with him in the midst of whatever you're going through in life, whether good or bad. God bless you guys. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.